you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Hi, everyone. I am very excited to have a special guest this week because so many people ask me about staging. And staging is very different than interior design. And I'm excited that we have an expert here to tell us the differences, to tell us, you know, are you in the market for a stager? Are you in the market for an interior designer? Which one should you be? And she'll answer all of our burning questions. This is Katherine Lewis-Brown. She is a home staging industry expert. She's also a business coach, and she's the owner of The Successful Stager at thesuccessfulstager.com. Welcome, Catherine. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Now, you're actually based in Canada, right? I am. I'm in Toronto. Wonderful. We're based in New York City, but certainly we talk about national topics, international topics, and staging is one of those international topics. Yes, it's global. Yes. It is global. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What got you into staging? Um, Like many other stagers, I got sort of around my mid-40s. I just had two kids. Um, My kids are adopted, so I wasn't magically having children at 45. But uh, um, I was on mat leave, and I just thought there's got to be something better to do with the rest of my life, the rest of my work life, like something more creative. So I decided to sort of get back to um, doing something that was hands-on. And uh, at the time, HGTV had... Uh, ads for one of the staging training companies, which is not around anymore. Uh, And there was a couple of shows, one which was, I can't remember, but Stage to Sell or something about selling. And they would decorate with pillows and they were always dismantling a bunch of things. And uh, and I thought, oh, I could do that. And uh, and that's really how I got into it. I, I wanted something that I could go back to school, but not have to commit to uh, three years or four years back at school. Um, something that didn't cost me a lot to get into, I thought, and uh, <laughs> and something that I thought would be, I would really enjoy. And this seemed to tick all the boxes for me. So yeah, so I've been doing this since um, 2010. So why staging versus interior design? Was it the length of schooling or... Well, for me, it was a couple of things. I really would have loved to have done interior design. And I did graphic design at school and communications um, through and I'm very successfully through the the other part of my my career. And um, 
if I, in hindsight, I think if I had looked back, I probably would have done interior design earlier on and made the break then, um, you know, 20 years ago. But I decided that, uh, well, I didn't do that. And when it got to the point of like, oh, I could do my own business and I could do something creative and something different, the idea of going back to school for three to four years of full-time schooling uh, again after like going through lots of continuing ed for years, just just didn't appeal to me. And um, it may have appealed to me more if there wasn't something like staging out there. But I just didn't think I was I was in the place at that point to want to go do that. My kids were young and, and uh, that just wasn't appealing to me. So probably the the big investment of going back to school time wise, especially. Yeah. So staging. And I want to get on with it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You could kind of get that creative outlet. Yeah. You could still design, but it wasn't quite as technical. There weren't all the yeah. details. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're not you're not required to be uh, certified or to have a license or any particular designation to be a stager. Although we would like to see it, like it's it's uh, changed enough, um, but um, and certainly adapted enough that I think the industry could do with it. But uh, but it is a big deal to try and bring that into a into an industry right now. So that was, you know, that's why three or four years of training isn't really required. Yeah. And you know, the industry is changing so much that I don't even feel it's required for interior design anymore. You know, all those memberships and certifications, the ASID, those are obsolete. Even big name designers are not getting that, are not interested in being a member. So, you know, I think you were kind of on the pulse of wanting this new career Getting your fix. It's so accessible these days. The rules, the tips with all the TV shows, the magazines. And it's just about packaging it in a way that, you know, you're meeting a need, right? Yeah. And so a lot of people are thinking about becoming stagers or interested. What advice would you give them? How do they know that they're going to get their fix from staging versus interior design? Well, are, are, we, are you talking about an interior designer wanting to be a graphic designer or just anybody who wants to be a stager? Sorry, not graphic designer, a stager. Just anybody. Anybody. Yeah, anybody. All right. Well, the thing, um, the, the great thing about staging is that um, typically it's kind of turned out as a second career for a lot of people. But I have found, I've been training uh, stagers since 2013, and I found that uh, over that period of time, over the last six six years, that a lot of um, people coming into staging training are getting younger and younger and younger. Whereas when I started out training, they were there were many people um, over fifty. I can remember one woman in her seventies, and I thought, "Oh my goodness, she's going to die in my class <laughs> when we were moving furniture." I thought, "This is not going to be good." <laughs> but it's really shifted. I have students like coming straight out of design school, uh, interior design school, who are coming and doing their certification as a stager as well. So. Um, so that has really has really shifted. And so what I see now is that there's a lot of people who are coming in who are uh, probably between 30 and 45 who are deciding that this is something that they love and that they could do it relatively quickly. Uh, it's not like it was when I started. You can do you can start staging really quite quickly. Uh, like when I have a training program and honestly, by the time you're in module three, you could be out there earning some money and um, and putting it into your business. Uh, but at the same time, it's not as cheap as it used to be to get into. They're really, the whole idea of it being a hobby business is really, it's a really a misnomer. It's not an easy business to have. It's a great mm. business to have, but 
it takes a lot of work to um, to build a business. It's it's like every other business. You need to find paying customers. You have to sell your value. You have to uh, get uh, the consumer and realtors to understand the value of what you're going to do. And there, I mean, that, of course, also means that there's a massive opportunity because there's a lot of um, agents who haven't caught on to the whole idea that staging is something that's going to make them money, um, that make their sellers more money. So you have this great opportunity because there's a lot of people out there, a lot of houses um, on the market and a lot of houses that need need staging, need help. Really? Well, what are those surprising startup costs? You mentioned that it's not as cheap as it used to be. Well, th- I think the difference is, well, HDTV makes a big difference, right? Because you're watching any of those channels, you're seeing, watching the Property Brothers uh, and, and any of those um, TV series that are uh, making houses look better, that are that, that have staging as part of, their, of w- what they do, especially if you're watching any of the shows that are based around real estate. And what has happened because of that is that the expectation of the consumer is a lot higher. When the industry, mm. the industry's been around for 20 years, slowly building up in, in sort of um, in uh, the 2000s, and then uh, really sort of starting to make a real dent in the market now. But uh, in the uh, 2000s, there was a lot of occupied stagings, which means that you go into a property and you um, stage that property or you get that property ready to sell using what the homeowner already had. And that's really how staging training really started was that you were doing more of that, but it was the staging training was helping uh, you to get us to get away or as an industry to get away from this whole fluffing pillows because that's not what we do fluffing pillows is not what staging is and so it really elevated the industry and it changed what we were doing so over time that happened but then also because of the um the TV programs, there was uh, these great examples of what happens to a property when you do a great renovation in a property or you um, uh, address all the uh, the pitfalls in a property, all the things that could be negotiated and get so that the uh, seller gets less money in the deal. Those things that you can recommend that will they'll do better, which is part of staging. It is. Uh, yeah, that I did make not a know massive difference. Oh, it's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. Well, I knew it would make a difference, but I just never considered even cosmetic renovations part of staging. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, um, partly there is that component, which means we need to be much, much smarter and better equipped to be able to give recommendations that we know really will make a difference on the property, sale of a property. Um, and then added to that, so we're actually doing some interior design in there as well. Um, the other side of that is that uh, now when you go into a property, they'll want the seller will want to know what furniture are you going to bring in? Uh, as before, well, we didn't bring in furniture. We we used what they had and we augmented it with uh, some accessories and color and bits and pieces and sometimes furniture, but never like it is now. Like you can do an occupied home and this depends on where you are. Like, you know, staging is global. Um, Everybody wants to make more money on the sale of their house. So it doesn't matter where you are in the world. If you're selling a house and you have competition, you want to sell better than they are, which means you have to look better, which means we have to market it better. And you have to um, there. You have to have something that's more appealing than the next the next property. Right. So uh, but depending on where you are, um, like I can tell you for sure from Toronto that when you do an occupied home in my, I don't stage so much anymore because I mostly train and coach. But when I was um, staging, the difference between when I started in 2010 to when I have sort of petered out is that 
uh, you, I would say probably 70 to 80% of the homes that I would do would either be vacant or they would be, uh, you know, absolutely bringing a furniture. I've never staged a home that didn't require something. Right. So, you know, so the, the market has shifted and that, that means that as a stager, you also have to invest in inventory in order to be able to deliver that for your client. Now, there are other ways to do that. Like you can use uh, the uh, furniture rental sources um, in the cities like Cord is one that is a big one in the U.S. And uh, in Toronto, we have several. We are very, very fortunate. But we have rental um, sources in Toronto that uh, solely rent for staging. And like, so, which is amazing because you get really the quality of furniture that you need without going over the top and without being too cheap either. So you get really the the best kind of furniture that way. So because of that, it co- it does cost you more to build your business um, as a stager. Like you might have a warehouse. It doesn't have to happen immediately and overnight, but you need to know that that's going to happen. That's why it's hard to have it as a ho- One of the reasons it's hard to have it as a hobby business. So would you recommend that people use the rental company exclusively or do you think every stager needs a warehouse? Well, I think it depends on your business model and I think it depends on what your market is like and what um, what you see as a priority in your market. And uh, uh, sometimes it just means that it hasn't caught on yet in your market, uh, but you want to be prepared. You want to know what those business models, what, what they can change and advance to because that that will make a difference to to your success and to your revenues really mm-hmm. you're um, when you have your own furniture and you're renting it out every month at 20% of retail cost and you so if you have a $1000 sofa and you're renting it out $200 a month um, that money is coming back into your business and after 5 months of renting it out at $200 a month it's profit then so it's a great way to build revenue in your business and a great way to be able to sell uh, your value to um, an agent or a builder who wants you to come in and stage and bring furniture in. So you kind of go with the flow. There are million dollars plus like, you know, seven figure stagers um, all across North America now. So it's, it's a, it can be a big business. So when you were staging personally, you had mm-hmm. a warehouse? I had a warehouse that I shared with someone. I was very fortunate because I, uh, because I have access to rental sources. I was also training and traveling across the country, so I didn't really want to have a ton of furniture. So I was able to, you know, utilize the rental sources around me. But I had a warehouse full, two thousand square foot warehouse full of accessories and art and lamps and rugs and small furniture and occasional pieces. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, you know. When I used to teach this live and I would sit, I would start talking about inventory and everybody in the room, their eyes would go ping, like it was this, this like, oh, we're talking about furniture now, you know, and people just get so excited. And they get to buy it and they get to write it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have to hold them back. It also (laughs) means a lot of paperwork and logistics, you know, because people ask us all the time. In fact, as I was mentioning, you know, we just got a call today and somebody's saying, what's the difference between a stager and an interior designer? What should I go with? And, you know, I think the key is that we as interior designers generally don't rent furniture. Yeah. And that's a whole nother ball game because that includes the delivery of the furniture, the picking up of the furniture. That's a whole nother set of insurances. It's a whole nother set of invoices. And what I really recommend to my clients who want us to stage, because we do a lot of occupied staging, is yeah. that, um, you know, they buy those pieces that are missing. Because mm-hmm. when you do sit on the market for five months, which hopefully they won't, but when you do, you've bought the couch. 
much, right? If yeah. they've paid yeah. 200. But it's hard because, of course, they're leading with optimism that I'm going to sell this yeah. right away. I don't want to deal with the hassle of ever having that couch in my life. I'm certainly not going to have a rummage sale after I've sold. Yeah. Uh, it's just another thing for them to think about, and they don't want it in their mind. Yeah. They yeah. want it just to be, you know, click and make it happen and make it go away when yeah. it's sold. And I think that there's real value to that. But I also think it's a very different industry than interior design. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. So what is something aesthetically that somebody should be mindful of? For instance, you know, when I'm interior designing, I'm trying to personally get to know the client. I'm trying to figure out how they want to use the space, I'm not necessarily maximizing the architecture, things like that. So what are some key things to keep in mind when you're actually designing during the staging process? Uh, well, the, the most important part of, um, the, or the most important difference between staging and uh, interior design is that when you are um, staging, you are staging, you are designing for the buyer. You're, we don't really care about the homeowner. It's really about the buyer. And usually when we're in there, it's because we know better than the, the, the seller does. We know what the, um, we, it's did I say it's important to the buyer? Let me be sure I got that correct. So it's so important that we are staging for the, um, uh, the buyer and what the buyer is, is appealing to the buyer. But that also does not mean that we are, designing the way we think that the buyer is going to like it. We we are oh. designing based on the fact that we need to appeal to the um not necessarily to the greatest mass but to the to the people who we know will want to buy this property. So what we're in essence doing is selling a lifestyle. So we're marketing that property so that it sells a lifestyle to that potential buyer so that we attract the buyers who are the right buyers who will want this property, who will pay for this property and hopefully pay more for this property. So we're we're really working towards that. So it's really about marketing it. We're not always looking at um, uh, we we definitely it has to be a very like we're always looking at the design fundamentals of it. So we would be looking at scale and size and um, um, purpose like the function of the of the item. We're always looking at that because the the furniture has to demonstrate the function of the space. Uh, but we're also looking at um, 
decorating it so that it's not distracting to the buyer, so that it tells the buyer what this room is for. It highlights the features in the property, which are not necessarily things like that you would do when you're uh, thinking about interior design, because the features that we're selling are the things that stay with the house. You know, the things like the fireplace, the architectural features, the natural um, uh, features that are like through the window, the light. Um, we don't care really about drapery. In fact, when you stage, oh, you, you should don't? get your client to take the drapery off. Yeah. Completely? If it's if they can, it comes off because we're selling the window and the light. And that's what the buyer is investing in is that. Um, and uh, so it, it's quite, so there are some real nuances that are quite different. Uh, it's not a far stretch for a designer, but they need to know that, that it, the, what those nuances are in order to be really um, successful at it. And unfortunately, one of the challenges we find is that we, you know, it's great when someone with interior design background wants to stage, but if you've never taken any training and you don't know the differences, neither does the seller that's hiring you. They don't know. They just think you've done a great job with the property, but they have no idea that that sofa should have been set up differently in order to create really good flow for a buyer to go all the way through or to highlight this, uh, the, the window and things like that. So... Yeah, it's it's uh, there's a lot of differences, um, but then it's also quite similar at the same time. The really nice thing about staging these days, especially when the vacant market is so big. So a lot of people have now decided that they'll move out of a property before it goes on the market, which is um, great for a stager because, you know, as stagers, we love furniture. We love design. Those are all things that we get really excited about as well. And uh, uh, it means that we can when we've purchased all this great inventory, we get to design this space exactly the way that we want it. So we are not doing it for anyone else except us, which is really nice, but within the parameters of like what our buyer is, what's going to appeal most to our buyer. Well, and you know, in that vein, do you ever talk to the real estate agent and say, who do you think this buyer is? What kind of lifestyle are we appealing to? Do you work hand in hand with the real estate agent or are you kind of your own entity? Well, you're foolish to not work with the realtor on that because that realtor is usually somebody who is going to be a long-term client of yours. <clears throat> if, if everything goes well, you want to make sure that you have a good, strong relationship with them. However, it is also really important uh, to not assume that they know and for you as a stager to know the market. Mm. So when you're working, you tend to work in a, uh, a specific area, like you work where your realtors go. And um, so you often get to really know what what the um, average prices of homes are, what they typically, what typically, typically attracts people. Like for example, when we were talking about giving recommendations on renovations, one of those um, things would be about countertops, for example, or flooring. So we know that flooring is like a number um, one of the top three things that buyers are looking for is up-to-date flooring. We know that carpeting is not a big seller. It's a, it can be a turnoff to a lot of buyers. So when we go in, we'll talk about like um, changing up the flooring. Whereas a realtor might not necessarily know that. Like a, a realtor might be looking at um, the saleability of the house and how they're going the transaction. Whereas we know what a buyer's buyer wants. And that's because we work in that area and we know that market and um, and we work with other realtors as well. So we have an ex exposure to a lot of what's going on in the real estate market and know what a buyer is looking for for the most part and what they'll buy, they'll spend more money on. 
Well, it's interesting that you have to have your finger on the pulse of the market as well, almost having yeah. a real estate agent mentality. Yeah. And, you know, creating a relationship with them, but not relying on them for that information. That's interesting. Yeah. You, you want to get you want to work with them. And sometimes they're super like when you get great agents who really know their market and they really know what's happening in it. That's great. But what's even better is when those same agents turn to you to be the expert. Because we really are that we really do know, um, we know how to set up a property, we know how, how to market the best features of the property, we know what will sell. Um, and um, yeah, so it's great when they come to us and we're the expert. Right, right. And you know, as you were describing this lifestyle, the clients, the furniture, when you are staging a vacant home, what should somebody expect to spend on the staging? Because I'm thinking ripping out the carpeting. I'm thinking refinishing the floors. What is that number? Is it 10% of the sale price? Is it 3% of the sale price? I don't even have a clue. Well, uh, this is such a terrible answer. And I'll, I'll, you know, make it better in a second. But for the most part, you can't, uh, it's hard to say specifically how much it's going to cost to stage a, one particular property. Uh, we can say it could cost you anywhere from 1500 to 20,000. But you know, there are, are there are some stagers who who stage large properties. Uh, you know, I, I know that Meredith Bear is one that is very well known in the Western states. And, uh, and her listings can be, you know, 120,000 that she charges for for staging, but it, because it depends on the property depends on the their list price and the and the client, right. And who really potentially that buyer is, and if you're doing the entire property. But having said all that, um, I would say typically you want to be thinking about anywhere from probably 3000 up depending on the property to do to stage a vacant property. Uh and you don't it it's not a, it's not a cheap um investment, but it is a massive investment and a amazing opportunity to um to get return on your investment. You know, because if you invest $3000 in getting your house ready to sell, uh, and let's say that's staging and you're you invest $3000, you can expect to make um you know, 10 to $20,000 back on that, especially if you've created a space where people get really excited and there's more than one buyer and they're like, "Oh, I can't live without this house." Like that's our goal is to get the buyers to just feel that they can't live without this house. They must have this house. And so they will pay and then they have a, um, you know, pricing war. So that that's, that's ideally what we like to see happen because then we know that we did a great job. And when we know we're really successful is when a house has been on the market, didn't sell, then has comes in and it's staged and it's sold within two weeks. Those yeah. are great stories because they really demonstrate the value. Um, buyers are kind of lazy they in the sense that they don't necessarily know, they can't visualize, and I'm sure you get this in the interior design world as well, they can't visualize what a space is going to look like at all. And you go into people's homes and they're all white because they just haven't a clue what color to pick so they rather just stick with the white um, and they put pictures up really too high on their walls and things like that they just don't have that capacity and um, and um, you know we have the design skills to be able to to be able to do that so well as a buyer you know I really appreciated that the house I ultimately bought was completely empty 
because mm-hmm. then I could see all the flaws. I could see that there were no rugs trying to cover up a scratch or, you know, that kind of thing. But I do think it was partially because I could visualize. I'm an interior yes. designer. So I yes. could see the scene before yes. me and I just wanted to see my blank canvas on which I would yeah. paint. Yeah. But the value is so there, you know, whether yeah. it's just having somebody come in and recommend some wall color or, you know, because a lot of my clients are on budgets, tight yeah. budgets. And so if they were going to do just a couple of things to improve the quality of their home, what should they focus on? You know, they don't well, have the money to do all the staging, but they want to fix a couple elements. Well, first off, um, uh, one thing that um, that I should say as well is that when you are thinking about how much it's going to cost you to get your house on the market, and this includes staging, you want to think about one to 3% of the list price. You know, so if you have a $500,000 house, you want to think about it as one to 3% of that will be, um, uh, so 15,000 would would probably be the range that you might think that you're gonna have to invest to get your house ready to sell on the market. So that could be like updating floors, it could be painting, it could be uh, getting storage, it could be doing doing some uh, landscaping, um, and it could, and it should, include staging as well. Now, sometimes when, now, and we get this all the time where where um, sellers are on a budget. So there's a couple of things that I think are hugely important, uh, even more so than staging. First of all, it, the first thing really is to hire a stager to come and do a consultation. And a good stager is going to try and upsell you to staging because that's what they do and they know that it works. But they also are going to do a consultation because they know they can really give you some tremendous value with that consultation. And in that consultation, that's where they're going to talk about where they can give you recommendations of things to do that are going to help you to get more on the sale of your house. Uh, It could be repairs because we don't want anything to be negotiable from a buyer. Like we want to take away any of that opportunity so that instead of like when, when, um, when you list a house and you list it for 200,000 and uh, a buyer comes in, they don't want to knock it down because there's nothing to knock down. Uh, There's, there's no um, um, bad roofing or, you know, anything like that. That's, that's not an issue to them. So they're just, they're going to pay 200 because there is nothing to negotiate. But if you had a bad roof or you had um, flooring or carpet that was uh, 10 years old and filthy and um, the, the buyer really shouldn't have to be paying for what you didn't do like right. for the upkeep right so they're going to take 10 grand off because they're going to have to put in new carpet and it's hard to negotiate back from that so that's so you want to think about that one to three percent because that will include those things that will have to be done so some of the most important things that you can do is um uh to um that will bring the most amount of value is that we know that buyers really they will pay more for up-to-date flooring fresh wall color and lots of storage so that probably the easiest cheapest thing to do is the lots of is to tackle the storage because that's you know we often hear people talk about how uh, you depersonalize before you get your house on the market. It's not really quite depersonalizing. It's really taking away all the extra pieces. So there's nothing smaller than like a mango. Like everything is everything has that you leave out has a purpose. And um, and because it becomes visual clutter, which mm-hmm. is not what you want when you when you're selling a property. We also don't want to distract buyers by all those personal things because they stop to look. Like I stop to look at people's personal photos, but we want them to look at the house. We want them to buy the house. So that becomes uh, really critical as well. So 
Probably decluttering is probably one of the most important things they could do, a really thorough clean or even a professional clean and um, and decluttering. Or what about that storage like you mentioned? Oh. Is it is it just to show off the storage? Is it about decluttering or is it about like hiring a closet system person? You know, you hate to do that and then never use it yourself. You know, no, I don't. I don't think you need to do that. I, oh. The purpose of the purpose of decluttering is to give the um, the impression to the buyer that there's no lack of storage. Ah, so when we okay. do a consultation, if I go into a kitchen and uh, and there's a microwave on the counter and there's pots and stuff and and it just feels really like overwhelming or there's stuff there's extra shelf unit or an extra, you know, freestanding pantry. I want all those things gone. The mm. freestanding pantry as well. Because that says to a buyer, ooh, that's a really small kitchen. There's not enough room in it for us. We don't want closets to be overpacked because that says there's not enough room here for, ah. for clothes. So they we get them to like pack up those extra things. Nothing needs to be on the floor that doesn't actually have a purpose. Like, so don't, you know, don't leave toys and things on the floor. Um, that's why it's so like when, when we as stagers look at uh, uh, you know real estate photos and these homes are just like packed with stuff and we're like oh it'd be so easy for you to fix that and it would cost you anything put the toilet seat down even yeah So, so things like that so yeah no, I think that's interesting is even if you do fault tight personally, getting rid of that clutter to give the illusion that, you know, I'm going to take 10 cans of soup out of my pantry just so there's space between the cans. Yes. And yes. whoa, that looks so much more spacious. That's yeah. interesting. Wow. Yeah. 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 That all makes sense. Well, I love this. Oh, one other quick question before I was going to sign off, but then I had a question. That consultation that you do mm-hmm. with the client as a stager, that's not free, right? There is some kind of initial charge. Yes. And um, it's usually like a minimum of about 250 and it can go all the way up depending on the kind of client that you're working with, the size of home, things like that. Um, typically, they're about two hours long. Uh, and you're as, as the um, seller, you're left with um, like I teach the walk and talk, like how to do a walk and talk uh, consultation, which means that you walk with the client and you come to conclusions and, and solutions for the whole house before you leave. So we don't talk about actually staging it. We talk about all the things that they can do to get it ready to sell. So if you never were um, hired to do the staging, that is the best investment that you can make as a seller is that you have a consultation and that you follow the recommendations of the seller. Right. And then the next step, which is the icing on the cake really is, and that makes it so much more marketable and appealing is, uh, is the staging. And what percentage of clients bump up from the consult to the staging, would you say? Uh, I think it really depends on where you're located, what agents you're using. You know, when I work with an agent who, uh, I've worked with agents who insist that all their sellers use, uh, that hire the stager. And um, and when they do that, They've done a consultation as well, and so that could be a hundred percent. And then there, there are going to be other sellers that uh, aren't so interested, but they really want the consultation. So it really depends. Some, I, I don't think it's the mark of a good or a bad stager. I think it's just the a mark, just an indication of uh, what's the priority in that area, or what's affordable to that seller. Or timelines are huge as well. Mm, you know, yeah, like if course. someone's anxious to get on the market, and they just you, they just they can't see the value. I don't think it's so much that we didn't do a good job selling the value. I think it's just that they're, um, it just it sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And there are stagers who are now making full time businesses of just doing consultations. Right. 
Yeah. Well, because that's just so easy. Uh, you it's know. easy. It doesn't, there's no, in, that there is yeah. no investment in. Yeah. Like as a stager, that is a, if you want to stage and you want to make a difference to a seller, that's a super way to do it. Yeah. And, and then it's a very low overhead business to get rolling. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And it's also, what's nice is that you can then take that job. Like if, if you do a um, consultation and then you want to make referrals to contractors to come and do some work, or um, you can get a referral to a, a, another stager and you make those referral fees all back. So you're making a nice little bit of money back from all those referrals that you gave on a job that you all you had to do as a consultation and make, you know, 300 bucks. Yes, because we yeah. have that element to our business too, where there's an interior design consultation for two hours for three ninety nine, and then of course you could buy another package. But yeah. um, it's a great way to give somebody support, to give them just the information that they need, and then to be there for them in the yeah. future if they want you. But yeah. it's a win win. It truly yeah. is. And yeah. you know, I keep going back to these business questions because I find it to be so interesting. And you actually offer a certification. So before we sign off, I want you to tell us a little bit about where people can find you and your certification course, things like that. Well, I teach uh, a program or I created a program and teach it called the Successful Stager. Uh, it's an online training program for stagers. It does certify you. Um, and what is so important to me, and it's interesting that you talk about the business side, is we all have that love of design. Like I'm sure if you're listening to this, that you have that love, that passion, and you're thinking, I can do this, I can do this, and you're all excited. The idea of furniture is exciting, all those things. Um, that is we already know that. So so we just need to know the the rules and the and the framework around how to be a great stager. So that's one part of it. But the other part that is really important and, and is what is going to make you a successful stager, make you profitable, make you have that business and life of your dreams that you can do whatever you want with your business, um, is the business side of it. So understanding how to run your staging business. Because as we talked about, uh, the idea of and having the infrastructure to support having inventory, um, having a couple of assistants and and those assistants don't have to be full-time but they can be uh, per job but you know there's lots of ways to do it but there there are models that you want to learn and be able to choose smartly from you want to be able to figure out um, what your marketing plan is going to look like and how you're going to reach those uh, realtors and um, how you're going to prepare a contract because we, you have to have a contract with your client. It would be very dangerous not to when you have inventory in a, in a property. You need to know how to price because you have to know that your pricing is competitive. Uh, not only is it competitive, but most importantly, that it's going to make you profit. So all those things we talk about in, in the program. And um, so my goal with the certification program is that when you finish, you have everything you need to be a success and um, you also have me and you have the mentors within the group and also the graduates as well that um, so we are always uh, I do live classes as well so, uh, every two weeks and we uh, get to chat and be part of that as well so yeah so lots of I, I it's been really a great program I know one of the questions you asked me before was what made me start start it and it was mostly because I used to teach another program which was a um, quite a reputable program really good uh, and when I decided I didn't want to travel the country anymore and my kids were kind of starting to figure out that I wasn't always home. I decided um, that I was going to start coaching but I kept getting questions from people from other training programs who really didn't understand the pricing, who were stressed and worried and they just had had a not enough and that's why I say like when we talk about having a standard in education uh, in the industry, that's one of the challenges with that because the um, 
it's not an even playing field. So not everybody gets what they what they need to be successful out there. So, um, you know, I, that's what my program endeavors to do is to make sure that you leave with everything that you need. And if you don't have it, then we work to get it. And uh, yeah. Well, and full disclosure, that is how we met, is that I was looking for a blueprint for a certification program, something that would really lead to success for the people who took my program, something that's not just here's how to become an interior designer, but here's how you work and get money and, you know, achieve your goals as an interior designer. So I heard about your program. I heard great things about the SuccessfulStager.com. And I reached out to you and you were so transparent about how you work and what you do. And I was really inspired. So, of course, I love having you on the podcast, but I also love what you're doing. And I really appreciate you coming on. (laughs) Thanks so much. Yes. Well, Catherine, it has been such a pleasure. And once again, you can catch her at Mm thesuccessfulstager.com. And I'll be catching her because we are um, in the same certification course, Creation Mastermind. And we are learning so much and creating amazing courses. And I can't wait to share mine with you guys in a few months. But while you're itching to learn, go ahead and check hers out. You can also go to my YouTube channel and you'll see some good videos there. Oh, it's yeah. uh, Catherine Lewis Brown. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And Perfect. Thanks so we'll much. We'll be in touch. All right. We will. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. You've asked for it, and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, You're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.